Merry Christmas, Avery. Merry Christmas, Mark. I brought you a present. Oh, what is it? Uh oh. Oh no. Hello and welcome to the Deep Geeks Christmas Special. It's Christmas! It's Christmas! Or, insert religious holiday of your choice here. We Doesn't have don't to be know. Religious. It's happy holiday season! Happy holidays! There we go, that's more like it. But regardless, despite that fact, we're, we're watching Christmas cartoons. Well, one of them mentioned Kwanzaa once. I, mean, I guess, yeah. Precisely but I mean, once. Yeah, precisely once during the theme tune because it was trying to be as diverse as possible, which, as it turns out, didn't really work in its favour, but we'll get yes, to that. Um, we'll get to that. Um, Marcus, tell us what we're doing on this Christmas special. I'm well, so excited and many of you would have guessed from our usual cryptic clues that we will be looking... Heavy quotations around cryptic that we will be looking at uh, sonic's christmas blast a uh, made for tv continuation of the adventures of sonic the hedgehog mm. um made three years later basically as an advert advertisement for sonic 3d blast mm. uh but you underestimate us dear friends because we have found a shout factory dvd titled Deke Animated Christmas Blast. It is a two-disc DVD set uh -huh. of just Deke Animated Christmas Specials. Oh, God. And it's not even a very well-curated one. Oh. <laughs> this two-disc DVD set... Shall we just shall we leave uh, the second disc ambiguous and then introduce yeah. that on we'll, the second we'll, we'll, we'll keep that one a mysterious entity for surprises and such. Uh, unless, of course, you look it up on Amazon. Well, yeah. But, I mean, this is going to be like our very short miniature advent calendar that takes place entirely within two days. <laughs> so there's that. So let's open up door number one. What's behind it? Oh, wait, it's Sonic Personal Splash. You already knew that. Sonic Christmas Blast. This is uh, based on Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog, as I said before, and it was going to be called something like Sonic's Extreme Christmas until Sonic Extreme got cancelled and they had to use it to advertise. Sadly, sadly got cancelled. That thing looked cool. It did <laughs> look quite cool. That was the weird fisheye lens 2.5D platformer. So the special starts with people gathered in a city square in Robotropolis, which I believe is from the Satam series rather than the... Yeah, they kind of merged a bit of stuff going on in, in this one. I don't know why, but I mean, I guess continuity's well, sake. I'm assuming but... that these are elements that the other ones kind of took from Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog's pilot. Mm, if you remember correctly, yeah. there was the the um, the original design of the series, and I suspect that also included Sally Acorn, because this original version of Sally Acorn um, is pink. This pink Sally Acorn is also the one seen in the Archie comics. 
and in the first of the Fleetway comics because they all came from the same original reference document. Mm. Sonic continuity is a weird thing. The, all of the spin-off media kind of starts at this one specific point and then diverges massively. So yes, the people are in a uh, city square in Robotropolis waiting for an announcement from Santa. And yeah, at this point it's weird because the only person who ever talks ever amongst all of the hubbub is just this random ass kid. Yeah. Who doesn't actually get named. He's just a kid. Um... Yeah. Let's call him Charlie. Uh, I'm not sure I would give him enough of a character. I don't Let's think he has enough him of a character Charlie. to justify being called Charlie. I would rather have him have a name than no name at all. Uh, okay, so uh, Charlie mm-hmm. is amongst the crowd. Yes. Uh, and on the screen, Santa shocks them by announcing his retirement. Well, it's not actually Santa. It's quite clearly a robot Santa. Well, yeah, but um, but yeah, this he, isn't he, revealed until later. Technically, technically, who gives a shit? Um, <laughs> so yeah, he shocks the audience. He says that I'm retiring and giving the role up to, I guess who? None other than Robotnik as Robotnik Claws. Yeah, who is your regular standard run-of-the-mill Robotnik, only in an incredibly ill-fitting Santa suit, to the point that it's incredibly uncomfortable to look at him. Uh, Yes, they definitely went the full uh, make this as ugly and horrific as possible. Yeah. Uh, Perhaps a little too far? Yeah, I would definitely say it's it's more over anything the detail on the belly that does it. If the the, the tummy wasn't so, like ridiculously detailed well, <laughs> and like um, so much focus put on it there is obviously so much more budget gone into this than into a standard episode yeah and it's three <laughs> years of animation later and therefore is a lot cleaner in its style mm. and therefore and also this is a much higher quality uh, mm. <laughs> uh version than we were watching yeah and there is a lot of detail yeah <laughs> uncomfortable detail uh, but yeah, so Robotnik Claus comes on, he says his stuff, um, and then the camera cuts away to where the entire thing is being filmed, and we see Scratch and Grounder in cheerleading outfits cheering Robotnik on. It's Alright, let's cut the bullshit. Scratch absolutely fucking rocks it in a skirt. Yeah. He looks really damn good in a skirt. It's weird. It's like it adds so much to his character. It's those legs. Yeah. He is 50% legs, so adding a skirt... <laughs> Actually works. What they used to call me in uh, in in first school. Fifty percent legs. legs. Yeah. Oh, good lord. So Robotnik announces that he will keep the spirit of the season the same, but make some minor changes. Uh, those minor changes are, of course, that everyone will be giving him presents instead of the other way round. Hmm. Uh, as he tells our um our small child did we say charles charlie yeah charlie gerald's let's just change his name every point given (laughs) just a random generic boy name uh random generic child uh who announces that he will not be giving money he will not be giving items to the to this well no you've skipped you've skipped ahead a bit there you've 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 skipped on the time time there um no no this is what happens no you've skipped ahead a bit no because you're you're talking 
Are you still within the scene where they're in a crowd outside? Or are you no, talking about, yeah, po- you've skipped on. At this on. point, this is the story. Yeah, you've skipped on, right. Okay. So, it's the next scene. Right, let me let me fill in the bits <laughs> that Mark has amazingly okay. skipped. And I am not letting him write the plot next time. Because okay. if he's doing this bad of a job, I'm suing him. Okay, what Wait, did, what? What did um, I skip? So, yeah, so he announces that on the screen. I've also got two notes here. Random cheerleading for Santa. Okay. And could Robotnik really not get a bigger suit? <laughs> Like, look, when look, right, is there really nothing you could have gotten me? Is that everything in between? It's literally, just, just go to, to fucking Giacomo. I'm sure they've got big suits. Um, but yeah, no, we skip out and we're in a uh, toy store and kids meeting Santa. Scratch tells that, Scratch, like, yells that, oh god, is it like all mothers or all parents have to go into a different room or something? And then Gregory, our kid, he, he runs, he literally runs directly into Robotnik Claws, face first into that pot belly, which was massively uncomfortable. And then he puts him on his lap, and then he's like, oh, what would we give me for Christmas? I'm like, give you for Christmas? I'm giving you everything. And then he fucking orders Grounder to have him tied up in a robot factory. Yeah. So Robotnik Claws literally just kidnapped this person's kid, just... In front of everyone, and no one does anything. No. No, they just stand there going, huh. Like, where are you? What? Excuse me? Why? Why? You wouldn't do that. You literally just, literally just the words chain him up to a kid is ridiculous. So we cut to a generic forest set where I guess Sally Acorn is here for some reason. Yes, Pink Sally Acorn, who is static and completely silent. Yeah, but weirdly cut in a way that suggests that maybe they had recorded dialogue and had storyboarded it out, but never but cut it out for some reason. Hmm, possible. It's, uh, it's not very useful because it makes it hard to understand exactly what's going on. But yeah. Sonic, at this point, is going off to Mobo... Robotropolis? Robotropolis. It was originally Mobotropolis. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Shut up. to Robotropolis to buy a Christmas present. It's- so, yeah, basically it's, it's it's just like five minutes of solid exposition as Sonic just wanders around talking to himself. Uh, yes. And uh, then Tails appears and he gives out more exposition to Tails. Oh, yes, because... Saying uh, that, oh, Sally Acorn gave me this mysterious magic ring that I don't know what it does, but it's a ring. Woo! This yeah. is not totally, totally not going to be a plot device later on, lads. No, not at all. Yeah, uh, there wasn't by Tails, it was by Random Bird, which I decided was probably a flicky. Yeah, I assume it But I may be giving flicky. it too much credit. Well, if it's based on Blast, then it'll be a flicky. Let's be honest. Right, but it wasn't based on Blast, it was based on Extreme. <laughs> I think Extreme was going to have flickies in it. Uh, quite possibly. <clears throat> Um, also, fun fact here, a little bit of trivia in between everything. Yeah, uh, Tails has a different voice actor in this uh, in this little short. Uh, in the original adventures, he was voiced by Christopher Welsh, but in this one, he's voiced by Chris Turner. Well, Christopher Welsh was about what eight when he voiced Tails, Something so like that. by this point, he'd be going through pre uh, going through puberty. Yeah. So you'd have to change voice actors at this also, point. Also, it looks kind of different, but I think that's just kind of... Everything uh, there's, has... there's, there's a different animation studio yeah. at work here, for sure. It's it's a lot more glossy. Yes. Uh, the colours are a lot more vibrant as well. Yes. 
but again, that could just be the print. Mm-hmm. Uh, we cut back to Scratch and Grounder, who are shaking down citizens for presents. And those citizens who can't hand over presents have their entire houses taken. They literally steal a fucking house. Yeah. How How do you just take a house? You just... Then just take it. Well, just and it's a, gone. With a, a big crane, apparently. Yeah. It's just my note. It's just like, holy shit, they just saw someone's house. Yeah. It's like, it's the most extreme possible thing. Okay, I'm going to skip ahead on my notes a bit, but like, in this short, do you agree with me that this is the most effective Robotnik has ever been as a villain? 100%. Yeah. Cause he almost just, wins. Yeah. And not even kind of a Pyrrhic pathetic victory almost wins he almost steals christmas the entirety of presents for a city in fact like the entire situation is only fixed and resolved within the last three minutes of the cartoon uh even closer i'd say and also by a uh random piece of shite mcguffin that uh, would never be i mean it would just it's practically a deus ex machina oh yeah totally if it wasn't point if this thing wasn't pointed out uh, and therefore is a Chekhov's ring. Spoilers. Uh, it would be a Deus Ex Machina. Yeah. It is also pathetic. <laughs> yes, very much so. So Sonic uh, reaches Robotropolis and finds all the stores are empty because they're being plundered by robots. Uh, the small child, who has somehow managed to escape from Robotnik's uh, mines, uh, or was it factories? It was the factories, it I was believe. The robot factory. Basically explains the plot. Yeah, he's an, another exposition, exposition uh, burst. Um, I just, I was questioning, like, so Sonic and Tails spend, like, at least a good minute and a half just searching around Robotropolis trying to find gifts and stuff, and like, oh, girl, there's nothing here. How does it take them that long to find the gigantic truck full of absolute shit and the uh, massive conveyor leading up to it? It's yeah. right there making a ton of noise. How did they not notice it until like that Also long... the army of robots pillaging everything. That too, as well. And also, why is Gregory the main character that isn't Sonic in this thing? Well, like... at this point, he's barely in it. I guess he hangs around occasionally. Uh, he, he sort of is, but I mean, he's, he's just kind of like... Within the previous five to eight minutes or so, a lot has happened... And the only core character we've seen the most of that wasn't Sonic or Robotnik was this kid. Again, also, how the fuck does the kid escape if he was chained up in the factory? Well, to be fair, he was chained up by Scratch and Grounder. Okay, yeah, that's fair. If it, Yeah, they, they would probably do a fuck-up job. They're uh, terrible. Speaking of whom, uh, after, uh, after it's decided that the plot at this point requires them to find Santa, Scratch and Grounder turn up in a tank with a magnet arm. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a big, it's big, big tank. Big, very big tank. And then attempt to drop shit on a child. Yeah, they drop a giant, like, heavy lord type thing with spikes <laughs> on the end of it. So Sonic saves the child. Um, yeah, he shaves it. He's, he's growing a bit of stubble, so uh, he, he... I said saves. Put, put a bit of uh, Gillette perfusion on Okay, that. Sonic saves Jim. We know this. Um, <laughs> uh, and reactivates the magnet above the robots, who all fly into the air and then crash down. He then immediately dresses up as a member of Litter Patrol. Yeah, th- that that was a thing, indeed. It's this it's, This is basically just the scene where we just confirm that Scratch and Grounder are still adorable, gullible idiots, basically. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, the, the fact lovable, that terrible they are fighting Sonic, and then suddenly a guy who looks like Sonic in a hat appears and talks to them and tries to find them well, for... 
here's the thing. This isn't a new thing. This is a joke that is done constantly in the regular adventure series. Right, but this This constant, like... It's gonna run by all the tropes, dude. It's a Sonic uh, Christmas special. No, I mean this immediate after literally being in a fight. Well, yeah, he's Sonic. He can zoom about and get oh, yeah, suits and stuff. That's literally his gimmick. Um, but yeah, that's literally a just regular joke in the thing. He, people, yeah. yeah, Sonic constantly does it. Fair enough. And fair they constantly enough. fall for it because they're adorable idiots. It's because Bugs Bunny used to do it. Either way, uh, Sonic. Um, threatens to find them unless they reveal the uh, location of the real Santa Claus. Which works. Yeah, they, they think that's a pretty good deal. <laughs> uh, cut immediately to Robotnik's place where in possibly the best visual gag in the episode... We see his lair covered in chimneys and he's in a, in a kind of little flying ship and he flies by shouting MORE CHIMNEYS! MORE! Long John Paul 3 was having so much fun playing this role again. Yeah, it was so very clearly enjoying doing I mean, this. I adore the man as a voice actor. Uh, he berates Scratch and Grounder for revealing the location and then tells them to set up a trap because obviously this has this is the way that things work yeah. in Sonic. Of course. Uh, we then see Sonic and Tails sledding to the location uh, only to be faced by an ice artillery. This is a point where I kind of blanked out. I don't have any notes on this uh, point. <laughs> he then dodges through a chamber of armed guards, finds the real Santa and takes him home. Uh, at which point, Robotnik has stolen every present in Robotropolis. He's quite a fast man, isn't he? Considering. Uh, Either that or he built a shitload of robots, which is more likely. <laughs> Santa gives up at this point, uh, declaring the time constraints of uh, retaking and re-delivering all of the presents... Uh, impossible, which is interesting for a man who can deliver everything yeah. within twenty four hours. Yeah, um, I mean it's oh good visual gag alert uh, on the initial scene when they un- uh, enter the area where Santa Claus is or rather lives. Um, we see a water tower in the background which has uh, H O cubed written on it, which is quite a good little. <laughs> right, it's quite yes. a good little gag yeah. on the top. <laughs> I missed that. Uh, he then suddenly uh, notices Sonic's mysterious ring. Yeah, so here is the MacGuffin. <laughs> it connects to an ancient pictograph from the cave that Santa was in. The inexplicable ancient uh, pictograph, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the <laughs> robots for some the reason are gone at this point. absolutely no explanation whatsoever, yeah. Uh, and if means that if Sonic can complete a series of challenges, he will be able to use it to unlock super speed. I. That's not what rings mean. That's he has to collect the chaos emeralds. To, yeah. To, what I what? It would make more sense if they'd done it. Him this, this, the chaos emeralds. Yeah, this feels like this entire setup feels like a gross misunderstanding of how Sonic as a game works. Yeah, I'm not sure how power rings worked in uh, in bloody um, Satam. I can't remember. Mm. So, within the next few moments, we see him climb a mountain, uh, snowboarding down a cliff, uh, trapping Scratching Grounder in the giant man trap in the process. A sentence I wrote uh, before the giant man trap caught Snatch... uh, Oh, sorry, I forgot to mention. Um, Earlier, when Santa was talking to Sonic about all of the pictograph shit... Uh Uh-huh. A... Exposition Santa, because of course. 
Why B. Is, in retrospect, everything in this is exposition. Yeah. It's, it's just a t- solid 20 minutes of exposition. comedy scenes with chunks of exposition in, the, in between. Exposition that goes nowhere. It goes nowhere. Two, why the fuck does Santa know all of this shit in the first place? He knows an absurd amount of information about these pictographs for no good reason. All this important stuff that he noticed whilst he was tied up in a cave. Yeah, while he was stuck in a fucking prison and he just saw, oh, there's some interesting carvings on the wall. I'm going to make some extreme guesses and then extrapolate information from that and then say that it's true. So yeah, uh, uh, Stretch and Gounder get trapped in a giant man trap and then Sonic cycles through a glacier for some reason. Before he cycles through the glacier, he paraglides. There is some paragliding. Wherein he drops the snowboard Wait, no, no, on Scotch and Grounder. Is that paragliding? It's basically paragliding. Look, it's close enough to paragliding that I'm going to willing to call it paragliding, right? He drops the skateboard on Scratch and Grounder from high up, okay? Yeah, it's hang gliding. And he, the snowboard smacks down on them as if it's like a bag of bricks. Yeah. A snowboard is not that fucking heavy, even with velocity. I don't care if this is a cartoon silly thing. That is not... Like, I'm not willing to accept that. They're robots. They're made of metal. Because here's the thing. You can have cartoony physics all the way. You can have these ridiculous injuries that will happen and then everyone turns out unscathed, right? I'm completely fine with that. It has to be reasonable, though. Yeah. It has to be within reason. If you have a mundane object that will, like, that is about, like, God, three pounds at the lightest or heaviest or whatever. I don't know how heavy a snowboard is. And it appears to be, like, 50 pounds. You can't do that because that makes no sense even within the realms of cartoons. Yeah. it's You have to have consistency within your rules. Also, uh, when he does a bit of a cycling through a glacier, he finds this like weird kind of cave thing. It's like a very tiny hole that he can't go through. So he jumps off the bike and runs along the top of it and gets back on the bike. And the bike would not have enough momentum to get through that fucking hole. It would get stuck halfway. <sighs> I'm sorry, I just had this moment of like, this isn't how it works. Stop that. Yeah, fair, fair, fair. Um, and then after he does all of the sports montaging, he inexplicably has the super speed. Yeah. There's no kind of, like, event showing this. No, no pomp and ceremony. It's hard just, yeah, to, okay, now you can do it. Yeah. But just, it's too late. Watch me. And then immediately he just nicks all the presents and delivers them. Yay. Deus Ex Machina. Uh, including stealing the uh, ill-fitting Santa suit. Yeah, I don't know why he did that. And yet somehow the... Sight of Robotnik in bo- in uh, hot boxer shorts is a lot less disturbing than him in the Santa suit. <laughs> yes, actually, kind of more relieving to see yeah. him in that. But I'm also questioning, like, Robotnik's reaction to that was to just sit there and grumble as per usual, and it's like, dude, well, you just did all of that. Are you seriously not going to do anything to get it back? Well, to be fair, how is he going to? Uh, oppose basically a deus ex machina how is he going to oppose the fact that sonic now has the power of a god (laughs) that's true that's very true and all it took for him to do it was to do a bunch of running around that he does normally a bunch of sports yeah a bunch of extreme sports um so yeah he steals all the presents back and he gives them out to everyone but 
the thing they kind of miss out is the houses that they stole. Yeah. What happened to the houses? What happened to the houses? How did those get back? I mean, I guess Robotnik has a bunch of houses now. I I guess. I, I mean, he does have chimneys. He definitely has chimneys. Ah, is that what the chimneys are made of? Most likely, yeah. That would make sense. I don't know why he was so obsessed with chimneys. <laughs> because he was Santa. <laughs> Because all of the presents need to be delivered to him personally. Therefore, you had to have a lot of input places into the fortress so that they, so that the presents could be go, go fed into the house. Okay, I guess. <laughs> and then there's this really, really, really awkward scene where Sonic meets back up with um, pink, silent, static Sally Acorn. He dumps a bunch of gifts onto her and then lifts one up so that her head is visible, says something like, oh, God, what does he say? It's I can't like, remember. Oh, Christmas, something forgot about- gifts or something like that. And he gives a kiss and then puts, just just puts the present back onto her head. She reacts n- just nothing, no reaction whatsoever, just stands there, just as if they forgot to animate her and he fucks off. And then that's the end of that scene. It's weird. Yeah. It's really weird. <laughs> but even weirder is the fact that Santa says that Sonic has done such a good job that he's going to retire and make Sonic the new Santa. Sonic Claus. And which you would expect there to be some sort of twist at the end where he... Well, at least him to say no. No, apparently Sonic the Hedgehog is now Santa Claus. Yep. That's canon. Sonic is just Santa now. So I guess that the adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog ends with Sonic becoming the new Santa Claus. That's how the canon of this program literally ends. Merry Christmas, everyone. It's... You got any opinions on this? So, Sonic Christmas Blast, the first movie of... Th- the first short of three on this, the first disc. Uh, special. Um, I'm going to call well. them shorts anyway. But I don't give a shit. Length. I'm calling them shorts anyway. I don't give a shit. So, okay. It's not the worst one on this DVD. No. It plays out sort of like the standard episode. It's like they heard the concept of a the original Adventures episodes. They haven't seen any, but they're willing to give it a go, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. It's this kind of, like, oh, we'll take a shot at it. I mean, no real promises here, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. They've got the show Bible. Yeah. They've got the show Bible. I mean, it's the outdated... Bounty animation... Robotnik is, needs to be exaggerated as possible, you know, this kind of general thing. So they got everything down, the basics and stuff. It's where the writing, that's where everything goes a bit weird and wrong. It's the writing. Because every other character we meet gives a huge amount of exposition for no good reason. That is only good for the next approximately three to five minutes yeah, in the cartoon and the then another bit of exposition is given to a different direction yeah it's kind of it's just exposition five minutes of that exposition being put to use exposition five minutes of that exposition put into use deus ex machina end i mean quite frankly it needed to be simpler and it needed to have a larger focus on robotnik scratch and grounder because that's always where the show has been the strongest. I think it needed to be longer, to be quite honest. Uh, if you... I think it was, if it was longer, yeah. it would have done this episode a good 
Like, it would have done it justice, I think. Yeah, I guess. Because then you would have had enough time to, to kind have of... the three-act structure. Because this definitely yeah. had a three-act structure. Yeah, exactly. It just got... didn't work. Because Act like, 1, Robotnik steals it. everything. Act 2, despair. Act 3, Deus Ex Machina. Sonic fixes everything. Yeah, it works. But the thing is, is that it's split up. So, like, Act 1 is, like, the the middle length. Act 2 is longest. And then Act 3 is the shortest. Which yeah. makes everything well, you, just go you're weird. You're 15 minutes in and you're suddenly being told Sonic has to go on a quest. Yeah. And then the quest lasts for less than a minute because that's all they have left in the showtime runtime. So, yeah, I think if it was longer than it would have done a bit better at being a cartoon that you can watch. Um, <laughs> but I'm... It's it's not the worst Christmas Yeah, it's special, not, it's not the worst it's, one. It's, it it does okay and it's, it's got just good scratch and grander moments in it. That and that's all not, anyone cares about. And by yeah. anyone I mean me. But I mean, you know, let's not go there. It's just sad that it's not as good as the show itself. Yeah, that's definitely true. It's really could have done with having the original writers on there. Because the original show was a lot of fun. It was just bouncy and silly and it was a proper cartoony cartoon. It didn't really have any overarching plot, no, but that's kind of what made it so good. It was kind of Looney Tunes-esque in that regard. It wasn't weird enough either. No, it definitely didn't. It was a very mundane structure. It was just, hi, I'm Santa Claus now. I'm going to steal everything. Okay. Oh no, he's stolen everything. Don't worry, I'll stop it. Yay. I well, stopped he's, he's it. Just, Good job. End. It's, like it's it's the most generic possible Christmas special story you could do where you have a hero and a villain. Yeah, pretty much. And that's kind of the problem with it. Uh, with the final solution being a pile of rubbish. Yeah. Um, also worth noting at the end of this episode is that um, Sonic wishes everyone. An extremely Merry Christmas. Not a not a uh, not a 3D class Christmas. Surely not. What's behind the advent door number two? Da, 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 da. It's Santa Watermass. We haven't touched on Watermass yet. Now, this is one of the cartoons that we haven't gone to yet. Um, and I think you're going to agree with me on this one. Um, after we watched this, we both agreed that we should probably get on this one because it was pretty damn good. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm struggling to find the Deke version of Watermess. There's a couple of British versions of Watermess because it's, um, it's based on a series of children's books in the char- a charming British um, hand-drawn style. Hmm. Uh, and there's a certain amount of the sketchiness of that that somehow seeps through uh, the Deke animation, but uh, there's a little bits of the charm left. But for the most part, it's kind of what would happen if you took the Heathcliff cartoon and fixed it. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's incredible too. Um, if you've not listened to our Heathcliff episode, basically uh, the main problem that we found, like what was wrong with Heathcliff was that there didn't seem to be kind of any rule set in place. No. It was kind of unknown, like, how the animal characters interacted with humans and vice versa. It made no sense. And, like, like do they have their own buildings for their own special private use and all that kind of thing? It was very confusing, and the fact that it didn't make sense meant that, like, half the episodes didn't make sense either. Yeah. 
I mean, it was a world with um, sentient dogs uh, who were able to and hold... cats. Heathcliff is a cat. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry. Sentient animals who were able to hold their own uh, events in theatres, and yet a world in which animal uh, dog catchers drive around and grab yeah. dogs off the street. Yeah, which is a disturbing combination. Very confusing. Uh, more about that later. But <laughs> yeah, we we kind of stumbled into the same problem in. Uh, but Heathcliff, yeah. no Heath. Heathcliff? Oh, God. Heathcliff, uh, Heathcliff, no one uh, What a mess. What, what a mess. mess. Uh, avoids this problem entirely by clearly establishing that animals can talk to each other, they can't talk to humans. Mm. It's the classic animals talking to each other behind humans' back kind and of thing. It's quite charming. Yes, it's really adorable. <laughs> I think that definitely one of, the, one of the first notes that I made was just, this show seems rather cute, to be honest. <laughs> so, as it opens, uh, Watermess is being woken by his mother uh, to be shamed for not being quite as active as his royal hunting dog great-grandfather. He has a dog moustache. <laughs> he does that have a That was the most moustache. important thing I noticed about that scene. I was too busy focusing on dog moustache to care about anything that happened in that bit. We're shown uh, him hunting down a snow leopard comes through through a kind of a dream thought bubble from Watermess. Yes. Uh, and of course, it being a thought bubble from Watermess, the, the leopard just looks like a house cat. Yes. A spotty house cat. Of course. Um, also, I'm going to notice that like um, in this opening scene where Watermess's mother is talking to Watermess, um, who we should probably just refer to as Mess from now on, or Wham, <laughs> <laughs> um, I was immediately reminded of the Garfield and Friends episode Wherein Garfield meets his family. Okay. Because it reminded me massively of that. <laughs> Possibly because it's... I, mean, I don't recall this episode. That so is a, definitely an episode. To... It's a saga in the comics as well. Right. Um, basically, Garfield, I think, runs away from home. And he gets lost in the city. Uh, and as he's passing by an abandoned house, he meets this... Um, Lady Cat, as it were, is the um, woman cat. And he's like, oh, you seem familiar. Um, and she, of course, knows who he is. And so they go inside the house together and um, his mother basically explains everything to him until it finally clicks with him. Oh, you're my mother. And so they have this kind of like nice family reunion <laughs> bit and his mother introduces him to his wide family who are all mouses, which he is disgusted by. And then he meets his grandpa, who's this massive fat cat, who is very annoyed at the fact that he is both not a mouser and is also fat. And he's like, poking his is like, you need to get some meat on your bones or something like that. And yeah, it's an entire saga in the comics that got um, turned into a TV special, I think. Yeah, I can't sounds... remember what it's called, though. <laughs> Garfield Come Home. That was a Snoopy joke, right? Um, Lassie. What's he? Oh, it was Lassie. What was the one where where Snoopy goes? I don't know. I don't know Snoopy. Fair enough. Uh, I've barely read Peanuts. Sorry. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, no, it reminded me in the in the whole sense of talking pet animals, and you are explicitly showing the main character's mother talking and like yeah, being yeah, a mom kind of too. This, uh, this the. This showing of the familial link yeah, between yeah. cartoon animals. 
they really nail like I don't know how they managed to do this because it's literally just a dog, but they managed to like nail the exact perfect mom appearance on one <laughs> Messer's mom. Well, I mean, it's from the books, so it's uh... yeah. Um, I mean, she's this uh, big shiny dog. He's this awkward scruffy puppy. Yeah. Who I was not expecting to have a young boy's voice, I will be honest. I wasn't expecting it, but I think it works. Yeah, it really it does, does work. It, 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 he's meant to be a poppy, isn't he? Yeah. So there you go. I mean, it is it's about, a, rather it's, large it's about poppy, childhood. Yeah. You get large puppies. I mean... <laughs> Newfoundlands. Um, so anyway, he goes out to play with his cat friend, Felicia, is it? Yes, something like that. Uh, who uh, he finds making a list to Santa. And uh, she teaches him that Christmas is coming. Uh, and that uh, they will make lists to Santa, to this uh, this entity uh, of presents that they would like. Mm-hmm. Um, his mother explains it further. This bit, of course, has the charming moment in which, uh, having learned that Christmas is coming, what a mess runs to his mother, says, Christmas is coming, Christmas is coming. What's Christmas like? I, who is this Christmas person? is coming, Christmas is coming. What the shit is Christmas? Oh my God. When will this person Christmas arrive? Basically, they've just nailed the fact that what a mess is a dog. Yeah. And that's kind of the beautiful bit of it. They nailed the fact that all of these animals are, in fact, animals. And so they don't personify it to the point where... They aren't animals anymore. Um, I mean, there's little anthropomorphism, but... Oh, yes. I'll, it's considerably less yeah. than, um, well, yeah. Heathcliff, yeah. <laughs> um, it was also at this point that I noticed that there's weird, inexplicable scene changes going on, or perspective changes, where objects will just suddenly start existing, just for the convenience of it. So when Watermess runs in, and it's like, Christmas, what the fuck is Christmas? And his mum is telling her about him. The scene will suddenly cut away, change to a different perspective to show what a mess eating, and then cut away to a different perspective. And what a mess is now eating in front of his mother, who is still explaining things. Huh. It's really bizarre how it just has random perspective changes like that. What a mess agrees to be good, uh, so that it'll get him present. Yeah. Uh, he then goes outside, and we see uh, a bully dog named Trash. Which is a brilliant name. Uh, I love that name. <laughs> Outside, stealing tins of food from the family. It's a bulldog, isn't it? Literally a bulldog. Uh, yeah, a pit bull. Yeah, called Trash. <laughs> I feel a lot of people can relate to this character. <laughs> uh, lives in a, um, basically an abandoned uh, camper van, isn't it? Yeah, basically. Um, and also, he's just straight up eating cans of dog food, can and all. It wasn't even dog food, it was just random food. <laughs> he was complaining about what the family was eating. So he just ate cans. Literally just the yeah, tins the whole of the can. food. Trash um, is pretty good character, I'm going to be honest with you. It's a good uh, it's a good introduction to the character. Uh, Trash tells what a mess that uh, Santa is a scam. Which is... It, it's a, uh, a really surprising... Considering that these things are usually basically toy adverts... This whole section that's about to happen, being this massive anti-consumerism sentiment, is quite interesting. Yeah, there's this really quite bizarre and 
segment that you wouldn't think would be in a kid's cartoon about Christmas. I mean, there are plenty of anti-consumerist like, mentions in various Christmas things, but this but yeah, is Yeah, but I mean, they're usually so heavily doused in metaphor that people don't really get it. Uh, yeah. Um, literally. But this one is literally just, like, trash going around and showing, like, basically consumerism at I work. Mean, Santa's everywhere going, Santa isn't real, otherwise you won't be able to buy him on a pair of underwear. Yeah. Which uh, completely shatters the dreams of the other three dogs. <laughs> it's just like, um, Jesus um, Christ, this is, is a kid's cartoon, what are you doing? Two dogs and a cat. And you haven't introduced Norton. Oh yeah, Norton's there. Oh, I mean, we also miss, missed one very important bit uh, uh, before we go on the... The occasional appearances of Baldwin. Well, no, well, yes. Baldwin, the bird who lives in Watermess's hair. I mean, he's always there. He just doesn't really make a very big appearance until later on. Um, but, I mean, we missed out the fact that there was this kind of thinking sequence where Watermess considers the kind of presence that he'll be getting for everyone or what everyone else will get. And so he's like dreaming up in the kind of quarter quartet kind of view so like uh he's like i can't remember what he thought that um what a mess and felicia would be getting but he oh, has... it isn't what he's thinking it's what everyone is oh yeah it's yeah this, yeah this, this uh <clears throat> it, there is this wonderful moment in which the screen cuts into four quarters as the various characters uh dream up their perfect uh christmas present yeah that's it um but the two key important ones were Norton, who had a fly swatter and was just going fucking nuts on the ground with it, just <laughs> swatting it about everywhere for no reason. And oh, yes, then, please. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, there you go. Um, and then also... Fleas, Baldwin. who are oh. seen once <clears throat> in a close-up wearing Santa coats. Yeah. <laughs> just walking, running across his fur, and then never mentioned again in the episode. I mean, that was a good gag. That was a really good gag. <laughs> um... But the most important one was Baldwin's dream, which was just him sitting in a large easy chair. Yeah. Just looking comfy as hell. <laughs> it's just like, same. Um, oh, also, I've got a note here. The way their legs work is disturbing. Because they're, the way their limbs are set, <laughs> they are kind of curved by default. They come out from the sides of the bodies instead of underneath. And they move in such a bizarre kind of spidery way and they can also stand on hind legs and move about on hind legs and then use their front paws as hands if needs be as well. It's really bizarre. <sighs> they can just kind of go to quadruped to bipedal at a moment's notice. Ha. It's kind of freaky, I'll be honest. Hell puppy. Yeah. So yeah, sorry we got a bit yeah, of sidetracked going uh, back this a bit there. Stark but... anti-commercial sentiment, uh, plus the pointing out of there being a supposed Santa on every street corner with a bell, uh, depresses what a mess. Yeah, it's um, well, no, it makes Norton and Felicia incredibly depressed. But what a mess still believes is like, well, no, he's gotta be real, right? Otherwise, there's no way this kind of stuff has happened. Um, and we see this brilliant moment of Felicia at, standing at her front door and she just says ah, the loss of innocence which is just like the most amazing gag Santa isn't real, like, where is me it's, it's just this amazing so, uh, thing of just being so self aware that you say that just in this children's show so melodramatic yeah. it's 
brilliant. So, Watmus gets the idea of being Santa Claus instead. So he's like, oh, if Santa Claus isn't real, then, I know, I'll be Santa Claus. Yeah. I'll get gifts for everyone. Um, and so he goes back home. I guess, start planning it. Um, we also it see bit, that... It was this, oh. this point that I was thinking, my word, this thing has a point. Are we, aren't we all ultimately Santa Claus? <laughs> and no, it's not really going for that, but it's no. nice. It's a nice sentiment. Um... <laughs> It's also here that we see that all of the humans in the house are pretty much faceless. They, <laughs> we avoid seeing their faces oh, at yeah, all costs. Absolutely. There yes. is one scene where we see the human mom's lips, I think, and that is the extent that we have seen of the faces so far in this Christmas yeah. special. Um, it's um, not uncommon for when you do. No, it's 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 a rather common thing. Children or pet. So what a mess! Uh, starts collecting together presents, uh, digging up. A bone for Felicia? Wait, hold on. Sorry. There's a quote I've got here. I keep interrupting you and going Go back, but I mean, I keep forgetting to say it. Um, at the same time that we see the humans are faceless, um, what happens is what mess is running into the house. He's oh, all yeah. excited and stuff. He's like, yeah, I'm going to be Santa. I'm going to get all the presents for everyone. It's going to be great. And he almost knocks into the human dad who is on a stepladder putting a star on the Christmas tree. Manages to skid out of the way in time. But then we see that one of the human children is chasing after him and he skids on a rug, crashes into the stepladder. The dad takes the tree with him, which somehow snaps in half. Well, he's probably putting his whole weight on the tree. Probably. Um, and so it's like that. And then the kid's like, oops, sorry, dad, I didn't mean it. And the dad is amazingly completely fine with that. And it's like, it's okay, don't worry about it. Yeah. And then he jokingly says... Let's use the dog as the Christmas tree. Yeah, because the dog's now wrapped <laughs> yeah, up in. It's just, but it's just, it's just taken out of context. That quote is just "Let's use the dog as well, the Christmas tree." It's also tree. the the ridiculously nice thing of they're both this cartoon and this family. Because it's, it's a very idealistic. If family, there was let's be any honest. other cartoon, uh, the Watermess would have been told off for stealing the tins that trashed all. Because that was literally in a scene after he said he was going to be good. I don't know what you're referencing here. Okay. When he promised that he would be good... so that Sorry, he what, get... is, what is this cartoon that you're mentioning? What a oh. mess. Right. They say literally this episode. Right. If it was any other cartoon... When Trash was stealing tins immediately after Watermess had been promi- had promised to be good... It would have gone into a subplot about... Uh, the family mistakenly thinking that what a mess had stolen the tins. Right. Any other cartoon. Mm. And in any other cartoon, it would have been what a mess crashing, crashing into the tree and wrecking Christmas for everyone. And yet, this cartoon never goes there. This cartoon just has this... It doesn't mind drama out of uh, pitting the family against what a mess. Which is nice. That's really unusual for pet-based media. It's no, I mean, yeah, because I mean, it, it means that you can keep the focus on the dogs at all times. Absolutely. Like, but I mean, so, even though it's like this most ridiculously over the top idealistic family that would never happen in a million fucking years, <laughs> it's like means that you, if you keep the conflicts outside of the human family, that means that the show is always going to be about the pets no matter what. Yeah. I suppose it's more that they're being used as a framing device rather than anything. Yeah. But I mean, it's nice. <laughs> so yes, um, he has Baldwin wake him up at midnight to perform his duties at Sa- as Santa, handing out presents. And then is uh, almost immediately caught by Trash, 
who accuses him of stealing because he can't imagine someone being so altruistic as to hand out presents in the middle of the night. Yeah. But then, but then he he, 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 he he shows us like, well, actually, no, I do have a present for you. Here you go, look. And of course, he goes fucking soft as soon as that happens. Yeah. Because of course, the mean bully dog, big softy, and yeah, whatever, cliche, cliche, cliche. Yeah. Obviously. Here's the thing: the fucking present is a balaclava. Yeah. And then he's like, I love it. It's the best. And it's just like. Jesus Christ. It's cute and also has connotations. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of why I was... Jeez. Uh, but uh, Trash says that whilst the gesture's nice, he doesn't think it's going to convince people that Santa's real. And, and then Santa turns up. Yeah. Because of course he does. Yeah. Uh, so we're on to Act 3. <laughs> Uh, Santa's reindeer have all turned uh, up ill. Yeah, they crash into everyone, and then it turns out that these reindeer are actually 90s stoner surfer dude reindeer. Uh, yep. <laughs> uh, so what a mess helps uh, offers <laughs> Bit to... Bit of a callback to m- meet the deedles, apparently. Um, what a mess offers to, uh, pull the sleigh. Uh, which seems silly, and then it's pointed out that Santa has magical dust... Uh, which will allow uh, any animals to fly. I mean, on its own, this is fair enough. This is standard Christmas stuff. Uh, when you've got the reindeers talking in kind of stoner voices, I was going to uh, say Santa I kind of pushing a powder that will make <laughs> you fly. Yeah, I was going to say I kind of I kind of really love the reindeer though. Quite the a lot. reindeer was caught. Cool. One well, of them is really. called Blitzkrieg. Was really good. Um, and also. That bag of magic dust that Santa carries had a label on it that said, use an emergency only or after big office party. Yeah. Which, again, has connotations. Yeah, there's definitely uh, some fun being had here by the by the writers. So, yeah. the uh, Oh, God. So, Felicia, what a mess. Uh, Norton, and then also mystery fourth character who just turned up, the mole character Ramona, um, I mean, the Ramona was implied. I mean, Ramona's in other episodes. I mean, this is the problem with uh, looking at uh, one of these on its own as a Christmas special. This is obviously part of a greater series. But uh, what a mess did deliver a present to Ramona through a hole, but we never saw Ramona before this point. They're all tied up as if they're a reindeer about to pull in the sleigh. Uh, except for Trash, who's just kind of chilling in the back with Sansa, yeah. <laughs> just randomly, just like, because nah, Trash I'm too is cool great. for this. He's too cool for it. He's just Santa tosses the dust out. They bugger off and uh, deliver all the presents. Apparently, yeah, they in drop record presents time. onto all the houses so, in the world before yeah. returning home. Somehow, it's the magic dust that makes them fly and gives them the fast speed to go around everywhere, or something. I have no idea. Um, it's convenient, and it's. It's like the speed ring, but it makes a whole lot more sense and is a little more charming. I guess so, yeah. Um, And then they get back down to their back garden uh, where the reindeer are hanging out. And interestingly, there's only two reindeer now, and there were definitely more than two reindeer before. Quite possibly. There's definitely more than two reindeer in the crash. Yes, there were four. Yes, there were four four. of them. So two of them have mysteriously vanished. Yeah. So, yeah, the two reindeer must have died. Rest in peace. 
Uh, oh, yeah. Also, is it just me or is this Santa character, like, weirdly sinister at times? There is a certain way that he words things and also looks at the characters as he's saying stuff. And it came off as weirdly sinister to me, and I have no idea why. Um, I I don't know. I I, I didn't pick up on anything sinister, uh, other than the fact that um, Santa is expecting a team that includes two uh, less than one-year-old puppies and a cat yeah. to pull a card and a mole. That's what the magic dust does. Well, then why bother with the... With any of them, Santa could just pull the sleigh himself. Well, then he can't reach the presents to throw them down, can he? Ah, uh, that's true. Think about it! Think it through, Marky! Come on! Before leaving, Santa hands presents to the whole gang. Felicia gets a notepad for making more Christmas lists. Baldwin gets a mobile phone. Norton gets a back scratcher. Uh, Ramona gets human-sized sunglasses. Yeah. I guess. I don't know why. I, this must be a joke relating to something that has happened in the show beforehand, I guess. Uh, Possibly. Um, here's the thing. thing you have to note about uh, Baldwin getting the mobile phone. The moment he gets the mobile phone, he he looks so jazzed about it. And he ducks down into Watermess's fur and then comes back up with a desk in a business suit yeah. and sunglasses holding the mobile phone and talking with a little <laughs> nameplate on the desk team Baldwin. Yeah. It's an incredibly good guy that's there for all of five 80s seconds. He's businessman for, for a millisecond. Yeah. Uh, Trash gets a fruitcake and no, no, do not give fruitcake to dogs. It is full of raisins. <laughs> I also think the fruitcake... Uh, gag there is actually possibly a reference to uh, the Pee-wee's uh, Playhouse Christmas episode in which absolutely everyone brings Pee-wee fruitcake. Huh. Weird. <laughs> Strange reference to make, but sure, okay. It's a very well-regarded Christmas special. Fair enough. Not seen it. <laughs> and what a mess gets Santa's magic hat. Yay. In that it glows. Yay. As it ends, uh, Watermess's family get up to open presents. Uh, the bugs that he caught for his to give to his uh, family uh, all escaped into the Christmas uh, in general. So their house is full of insects now. Uh, and uh, his mother gives him a box of tissues for Christmas. Yeah, because that was... Here's the thing, you missed out the entire reason behind that joke. Uh, Which was, he has a drippy nose because it's winter and he's cold. Also, he's a dog. And also, he's a dog. You missed out that point throughout that entire segment. And so now the entire point of saying that joke has now been lost. Yeah, and then he snoozes. Well done. (laughs) So, what are we thinking on this one? Uh, I liked this one. Yes, I I did as well. I think this was a genuinely good Christmas special. It's charming, it's sweet, the jokes in it land pretty much every time. It has the three-act structure, but doesn't feel quite as rushed. No. There's a lot of exposition, but it's mostly just small animals learning about what Christmas is. Yeah, it's this very kind of low stakes, just relaxing, yes. calming Christmas special. There's no kind of Until like... it suddenly becomes quite high stakes, but in a manner that is so um... Yeah, just this random like <laughs> anti consumerism parts of well, like No, no, the high stakes is we suddenly we've got to save Christmas. Oh here's the means to do it. Oh okay. Yeah. This <laughs> is like for the high stakes for all the five seconds. It's just 
minor heart palpitation. Oh, we're good. Never mind. Uh, it's kind of this um, fantastical, sudden fantastical element. Mm. Everything else is grounded for the rest of the episode. But, I mean, that works. It's just a nice way to round off a third act, especially yeah. when they're obviously going to bring Santa in because they've been saying that Santa doesn't exist repeatedly and that's television code for Santa's going to come. Yeah, and it's also <laughs> a Christmas cartoon. Wrong. Santa has to appear somewhere. Not necessarily. Most of the time. Um, but yeah, so would you agree with me that this is the best one on disc one? Yep, this is definitely the best one. I mean, if we're ranking them, which I'm not entirely sure we are, I suppose we sort of are. It's inevitable. We could put them in the D&Q list. Uh, no, because some of them are part of an existing series that oh, okay, does true, qualify. True, true. Okay, oh god, we're going to have to have a third list. This yeah. is Okay, this is quickly getting out of hand. Oh, just wait till we have the fourth list. Oh. Pilots that never made it to series. Oh. Single, on, single one-off episodes of random Jeez. things. A quartet of rankings. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Okay. It's the only way of doing it. Uh, this one definitely ranks better than the Sonic one. For sure. So, shall we go to the worst one now? Hey, hey, spoilers. Behind door number three. A Hollywood Hound's Christmas. Oh boy, right, a Hollywood Hound's Christmas. I mean, this one I had to actually do some research Yeah, for. go ahead, go ahead, Mr. Exposition. Um, Tell us the story of Hollywood Hounds. Uh, these were a toy created by an uh, African-American businessman called Jacob Miles, mm. uh, who created specifically diverse toys, toys that... Uh, had multiple, I mean, everything... It's kind of POC-coded type yes. plush toys, yes, basically. That's what the Hollywood Hounds are. Um, but in that very 90s way. And the problem with diverse toys in the 90s is that they deal a lot more in kind of stereotypes. Hmm. Yeah. There's certainly an amount of... Uh, let me just put it this way. These are... Uh, these are... A series of animals that are somehow given racial characteristics. I mean, uh, it's partially in the design. It's yeah, they are POC coded for sure. The thing is, we are talking about a band in this point, a band of dogs, and plus one cat. Sorry, two dogs and a cat, and um, the. White dog is a country singer. Now, is he white, or I thought they were both black? No, he's definitely white. Why would he be black and a country singer? Okay, that's a fair point. Called uh, Dude. Hmm, okay, fair point. And then you've got a black dog with a kind of the shaved uh, the shaved hair that was popular in the 90s. Kind of the Steve Urkel cut. And he is called Cuz. Mm. And he is a is he a hip hop artist? I don't know. It's I don't think what he is is ever confirmed. It's a bit. He nebulous. can play the harmonica. That's all that's really confirmed. He plays the harmonica and can sing. Either way, the first time we see him, he walks down an alleyway, looking incredibly. Uh, he he he's implied to be street smart, mm. and it's. Uh, whether these are elements of the toys themselves or elements that have just ended up in it because they've been filtered through a bunch of white people in a writing room. Now let's wind back a bit. Yeah. When the intro started, 
What were your first thoughts? Because my first thoughts was, the first initial thought I had was, oh God, these these are fucking horrifying, weird dog humans. Why is this? Number two was, Jesus Christ, what in the hell is wrong with these character designs? Because during the intro, we see basically a montage of the events of the episode. Yeah. And we see all of the human designs that are used and all of the dogs that are used. And it's weird. The art style is not great or consistent. It's really not. I mean, for example, um, skipping forward again, uh, you've got the, um, the owners of the Hollywood Hounds. And they are pretty normal-looking human designs. Yes. And then you skip forward to... They look like your generic kind of 90s POC family type characters. And then you skip forward to the the audition, and every person at the audition is some weird caricature. One of them looks like a fucking zombie. (sighs) It's It's odd. really weird. And as I said, the Hollywood Hounds themselves... I was trying to figure out what exactly it was that I found so horrifying about them, and I figured it out. It's that they look like completely normal humans, but with dog masks on. Yes. And that is just... It's so uncanny and strange and that it freaked me the hell out when I first saw and it. And rather worryingly, toy accurate. Yes, as well. Yeah. The toys actually look like they do in the cartoon, which is just... It begs the question, Why? Uh, so, as we open up, uh, a country dog named, uh, what did we say his name was? Dude? Because it's never, it's not really established. I mean, we kind of assume he's called, everyone refers to him as Dude. Well, basically so. there are jokes about him being called Dude, but you only cotton on to the fact that people are calling him by his name when they say Dude, uh, once those jokes are made. Yeah. It doesn't, it's, it's not very well, um, Written. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. He rides into uh, Los Angeles uh, in a side of one of those big uh, truck pipes. Just the giant yeah, pipes. Yeah, just the on pipes stacked into the triangle. No one knows what they do. They just kind of wander about cities. Yeah. And they're just kind of there. I assume they're for sewage. Sewering, yeah. Sewage. Um, but they're stacked on the back of the truck. Uh, and so he ends up in LA and is immediately mugged. Yeah. I was going to say, like, at this point, it's kind of like I noticed this is probably the most 90s thing that we've ever covered, namely because of the music that's used. Uh, oh, God, it is yeah. incredibly kind of Detroit techno y, hip hop y kind of styles, and at one point goes incredibly similar to Stacker Humanoid, as in it has the exact same kind of same background drum pattern as Stacker Humanoid does. <laughs> Uh, we also hear a monologue from Dude, and it's a bad monologue. Yes, it's a very bad monologue. <laughs> he's not the best character to have a monologue. Either way, um, he's immediately mugged by a pair of dogs, but refuses to give them money and is chased through the streets, through these very empty Los Angeles streets, the abandoned city of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, he ends up in a dead end, and the dogs search through bins for him. Yeah. Uh, they kick a bin that is trembling over, only to suddenly be interrupted by Cuz, a street-smart African-American dog. Now, it's interesting, this bin that they kick over, because the bin is trembling, so there's like, oh, obviously he's hiding in there. They kick it over, the lid comes off of that bin, and the bin spins around goes down the alleyway, right? As it's spinning, we see that it is sealed off completely on both ends of the bin. Ha! Huh. There is no possible way for anyone to get into that bin, and there's no possible way for anyone to get out of that bin. Right. It was just an interesting animation error that I found. 
Cuz lives at a house with a child and a Latinx cat. I mean, she's supposed to be Latin American, right? Uh, I guess. I mean, she kind of has kind of a common Miranda I've, accent. I, I, I'm not one to make assumptions on this. Well, the uh, thing but is, these are supposed to be, but as as you said, they're meant to be stereotypes. Animals. Yeah. That's. Uh, mm. I I think. I'm I'm sorry. As much as I like this dude, and I love the fact that he made his money through these, through selling diverse. It's a genuinely toys. good idea. It's a really good concept selling and idea. Selling diverse dolls in Walmart in the nineties. That's yes, way ahead of everyone. Commendable. This was a bad design decision. <laughs> yes. Anthropomorphic animals. I mean, the cartoon is bad, races. but then also, it's just the character designs <laughs> in general yeah. are just ugh, bad, 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 bad. Uh, the cat that you mentioned, she called Rosie, I think, like that, or something like that. Uh, I've got it written somewhere. I mean, they don't mention it for kind of three quarters of the. Uh, no, none of the characters are really properly they seem introduced. To assume that you know all of them, yeah. except for Cuz, who announces that he's Cuz. Yeah. Um, but the Latinx cat is very interesting in that she plays the tambourine except when she doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> and it turns out that she actually plays drums and then she plays tambourine again. It's a bit confusing. Well, she plays percussion. Yeah, I That's, guess. It's, either way, um, they improvise a version of We Wish You a Merry Christmas together, uh, but uh, whilst, as good as it is, and it's not, the, the cartoon wants us to think that these dogs uh, singing these songs is amazing and the music is terrible. My note on that one is just, oh good, it's musical. <laughs> it's not even a, It's not even very musical. I mean, they could have played this off as a musical. If they had, if they had say, got... Um, if they said got Shucky Levy to write a few songs for this. Yeah, she, uh, yeah, definitely. If if Mr. Levy was involved in this cartoon, then the musical part would at least be a decent thing. Yeah, it would well, be listenable for one thing. It's not. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Um, other notes I have for these parts is um, this is fucking weird because it is <laughs> so much about it is just inexplicable and random if you don't have the context of what the fuck Hollywood Hounds is. And it then, still is after you discover I mean, that's the true, yeah. Um, and then also, again, the humans look fucking bizarre. <laughs> it's, I just couldn't get over how weird these humans looked. Well, they, they're not None of the their designs really style. make any sense, yeah. Nothing fits together. Um, but yes, they play a version of We May Wish You a Merry Christmas together. Mm-hmm. And they claim that, oh, our mixed styles really sound good together. No, no, they don't. No, they don't. They don't. Uh, but the dog says that he's a solo act, regardless. Yeah. He's, uh, the, he's, I, he sorry, wants to be the, the dog. He, yeah. Uh, dude. Dude. He's trying to play up the whole Lone Ranger thing because he's got a cowboy hat on. and ugh. Also, he's a country artist and it doesn't mix with anything else. No. Do not mix country with other... F- well, I mean, that's a fact that's cause even states like country and blues does not mix with <laughs> other stuff. Blues. It wasn't hip hop. It was blues. Yeah. There you go. More serious. <laughs> uh, at this point, Michael's father, who's apparently a music teacher, so I'm assuming that if they were going to expand this into a series, they would have made the whole thing musical. Oh, God. Uh, 
comes home saying that his department has been cut and basically Christmas is cancelled. But it will be a nice, or at least presents are cancelled. But uh, later, the dogs are watching TV together. Yes. Which um, and suddenly we're in Heathcliff uh, issues because apparently, <laughs> because by the looks of things, there are channels dedicated to dog television. Well, yeah, I mean, like. Earlier on, when they're outside, we've established that the humans can talk with the dogs well, and vice true. versa. So that's nice, at least. But then everything else becomes apparent that we're in Heathcliff rules. Yeah, uh, because once that's established, the rest of it doesn't make any sense. Because why are they? Why why are there companies in this world where dogs are sentient to state what they want? Why are there companies that make just generic dog food? Called Mushy Chow. Called Mushy Chow. Oh, it's for dogs and cats. Which is seriously that's, worrying. That's, that's a dog and worse. cat food combined is not good. That's... I mean, that could be anything in that. It could be fruitcake in that. Uh, really going to push that joke, car? <laughs> Alright, you're the boss. Just I mean, don't feed your dog raisins, okay? Yeah. And uh, was it dogs in dramas? Yeah, it was it was this kind of weird romantic drama advert that uh, Rosie was into. Um, I mean, if and they dogs... were doing like a little dance and stuff like that, and then they sat down at a dinner table, and it turns out to be an advertisement for Mushy Chow, which is what uh, I mean, we've established. What? That, we've established that dogs speak enough that they can be actors in a drama. Okay. We've established this. This is obviously well known enough that it appears on television. That that's that breaks the episode immediately. But we'll get on to that. So after that little advert, we get another bit of an advert for again from Mushy Chow, uh, advertising a kind of pet talent type show. Uh, if your pet can sing and dance and do all this kind of other bollocks that literally anyone's pet can apparently do, uh, if you ever watched any kind of talent show ever. Um, then you can win, oh god, it was like a thousand pounds and a year's worth of mushy chow and something else which I yeah. can't be asked to remember. It was something to do with pet stores. Yeah. Um, and so, dude gets an idea and is like, well, maybe I could enter that. And But I'd maybe, have to do it as a solo act. Yeah, I'd have to do it as a solo act. I can't bring you two along. It's just me. And so he sneaks so. out and then is immediately followed by the other two characters. Yeah, he's, yeah, he sneaks out and then the other two mysteriously appear and watch him go out and he's like, he's not going to make it on his own. And then it's an inexplicable hard court to them getting off a bus. Yeah, together. Number one, how do they get on the bus? Well, in this world, dogs are obviously uh, known to be communicative enough that they can hold a bus pass. I guess. It's so strange, though. It's And also, how the fuck did do just accept those two coming along with them anyway? And number three, why are the owners not terrified of their minds that their dogs have just run away? I, number four, why I, is that pet door yeah. not locked at okay, night? Okay, Dude agreed... To go with them because they're locals so they know the bus routes. And then dude <laughs> immediately abandons them both as soon as they get off the bus. Yeah, and walking the wrong way. Yeah. I because um, <sighs> at this point they are immediately grabbed by dog, ca- dog catchers because... Yeah, okay. Number five, 
You're seriously telling me that there are dog catchers in this world where they can all move on two feet and speak English to each other, including to humans, and vice versa, and Jesus Christ, this is just Heathcliff too. This is just Heathcliff again. This is the Heathcliff problem. We discussed this for an entire episode. This world does not work. Whenever you bring dog catchers into something where the creatures are sentient and known to be sentient, you are dealing with an actual slavery situation. It's... Or, it's... The implications aren't good. They're never good. Especially when the main characters here are POC-coded animals. Oh, God! They didn't pick up the white one! They picked up the... Exactly! They exactly, this is a big problem with this! The black-coded animal and the Latinx-coded animal. They didn't pick up the white one from the street. Because that wasn't plot convenience, because he's the musician one. Well, they're all musicians. But they're all musicians, but he's the most musician-y because he but carries I mean, a guitar. But I mean, the authorities literally just picked up the, pe- the, the POC characters off the street and left the white character. Let's continue the plot. So this thing is Let's, both... So okay, so we... Okay, so what we're saying is this, this is Heathcliff, but even more horrifying in implications. Yeah, basically. Basically, yeah. It's The mind boggles. The it's mind really Heathcliff boggles. with the element of race. Yeah. Speaking of things that really don't mix... Good lord. Anyway, let's continue the story. Good fucking lord. Just go, do it more. Okay, um... Da, 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 da. Page turn. Dude resolves to help his friends, uh, risking missing the audition, and skateboards across town on the stolen skateboard. Uh, he... Well, no, it wasn't stolen. Was he it? he tripped and fell onto the skateboard and then did a really cool sick ride down a big hill yeah, on accident. that's still theft. But yes, but it, was, it wasn't intentional. That's still so theft. So he, he can't be held responsible. I... I... Fair enough, fair enough. You can't be held responsible if you slip and fall onto something and end up riding that thing down a giant hill which just happens to be in front of you. Like, that's not fair. That's, oh shit, my life, I'm going to die. <laughs> yeah, okay. I may be a bit harsh on that. You're still coming down from 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 five seconds hill here. <laughs> just, just, it's all right. Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, but he, he, may, he then leverages the dogs that tried to mug him uh, into breaking into the dog catcher's van to rescue his friends, uh, but and gives up his guitar as payment. Yeah. In the next scene, he is just giving it back straight up. Yes, pretty much. It's it's ridiculous. It's just this. Like okay, the heel most... face turns are normal in a cartoon. Like we've seen that happen multiple times, especially if it's to kind of restore the status quo of some kind of big event happens and it seems like it's all going to be over, but the villain misses everything, all the antics that they had going on, etc., etc. It's a thing that's been done and played up a lot. Never before have I seen a heel face turn which happened in such a short amount of time and makes such a little amount of sense. Because the previous 15, well, no, 10 minutes has been setting up this character who's called Vic Vicious this big stonking dog character he'd been set up as the main primary villain soon as dude got off the truck and landed in la he got tried to get mugged he ran away got terrorized in the bins then cause turned up chased them off right next bit over that we see dude has crashed the skateboard into i think the dog catcher's vehicle even um 
Yeah. And he's trying to get the door open. Vic Vicious comes back onto the scene again. He's like, well, 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 look who it is. And for some fucking reason, he decides to ask them to help them open the door. And they're like, well, yeah, so long as you give us the guitar. And... Or something like that. Well, actually, he said... What was it? He, he says, you, I'll, you give, you, I'll give you the guitar. And they ask, well, why don't we just take the guitar from you? This is setting them up as villains. It's... And then they just have this sudden heel face turn just because it's I don't know convenient. why. Like, there's a bit of conversation that neither of us can remember, apparently, of why they end up helping him in the first place. But I don't know why they didn't just take the fucking guitar and go. Uh, because... It wasn't uh, plot convenient. Because <sighs> Cuz would come and beat them up. Right, that was it. But Cuz was in the van. Yeah. Cuz was going to be so taken to him. If Cuz was in the van in the first place, why would they help him help Cuz escape if they were going to beat him up? And it, like, I, to get the guitar I, fair and square. Yeah, I guess. And then... Ten seconds later, they're like, back. yeah, they hand it back going, well, you're going to get more use out of it anyway. Turns out we can't it's like, play... why the fuck did you bother? Turns out... Why we... do you exist as a character? You are literally pointless. You serve no purpose in this cartoon. Piss off. Turns out he can't play the guitar. You could have sold it. And we know you understand the value... Porn of... shops exist. Yeah, we know you understand the value of money because your joke is that when you try and mug people, you call it a tax. Yeah. So obviously you have a concept of finances. Therefore, you must have the concept of money. Therefore, you must know that you can sell things like guitars to pawn, to pawnbrokers and therefore get money from the thing that you have legitimately gained. I've got another note here. Um, oh, God. All right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, quickly, quickly, quickly. Uh, so the Vic Vicious helps the, open the door. They all escape. Um, they go to the audition anyway. Yep. They're like, oh, I don't have the guitar. What's the point? And it's like, oh, it's okay. We'll play together. <laughs> Funny teamwork thing. Um, and they go in anyway. And they go and see the competition. Another note. God, these humans look awful. This is where we get the scroll panorama shots of the audition room and we see all the fucking weird looking humans going past most of them are white from what well, i remember here's but the then thing. one of them is like a fucking zombie inexplicably they're doing this weird aha humans look like their dogs thing but you've already got dogs that look like humans yeah don't make humans that look like dogs it just makes things even more convoluted and then the only good joke in the entire cartoon appears where we see this big voluptuous woman in a dress standing around a kind of like an archway of an arch of cats in front of her singing a Christmas song. So it's this wonderful proto jingle cats moment. Yeah. Except the cat's voice is all done by one dude overdubbed <laughs> one another. So it's just, just this saying, dude. Meow. Yeah, just this dude going meow for <laughs> the meow, entire meow, song. Meow, 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 meow. But that, but three times, and it's the most amazing fucking thing. I love it. Um. But that's like the one good joke in this entire fucking thing. So at the audition, they're pitted against a rich guy and his weird child and bunch of poodles that look like her. Yeah. Who also do the Jingle Cats thing, but but with with dogs. dogs. (laughs) Yeah. 
Which is fair enough. Um, oh, yeah. Also, again, Heathcliff rules are in play here. We have actual proper dogs and cats, but yeah. mixed in with the weird uh, Hollywood hound type protagonists. What the fuck is going on here? Also, they're surprised that the dogs are able to play music, but they're not surprised that the dogs are speaking English. Mm. It's... Well, why why would you do this? So anyway, the Hollywood hounds decide to write their own Christmas carol. Yeah, and they decide to sing that. Which isn't actually a Christmas carol, it's a theme tune for the Hollywood hounds. Yeah. We know this is the theme tune for the Hollywood Hounds because they've already played it as the theme tune for the Hollywood Hounds at the start of the episode. Mm -hmm. And they will play it again as the theme tune for the Hollywood Hounds at the end of the episode after a performance of the theme tune for the Hollywood Hounds. Yeah. Um, There are two songs in this and one of them is just... um, Was it... It was at the. It was in the beginning when they're sitting outside of the house singing We Wish wish You a Merry Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. So they go up on stage and they sing their song... And Rosie, who plays tambourine, is inexplicably playing the drums and singing. Yeah. Even though it was perfectly established earlier that dude was going to be singing. Well, he plays guitar as well. well yes, but he was established as the character you who know, sings. That, that's that standard band makeup of uh, guitar, drums, and harmonica. No, no, not even drums and harmonica. No, the drums set the 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 setup here is uh, guitar. Drums huh? and saxophone. Oh yes, saxophone. Suddenly we've got saxophone. Yeah. In it. So how yeah. Also, ca- cause who plays harmonica they- is playing the saxophone. <laughs> how did they carry these huge instruments? No fucking clue. They just have them. Okay. Uh, regardless, the the um, they're doing brilliantly, and then suddenly the power goes out on their performance, and that immediately disqualifies them for no apparent reason. Yeah, I'd have the no idea why. The most amazing thing that's ever happened has just happened, and then the, the power they, Yeah, all three judges look amazed at this fact. They're like, holy shit, wow, this is amazing. The power goes out, they're like, hey, what happened to the power? And then they're like, next. And it's like, what? hang on, what? And then Jingle Dogs comes on, they all fall asleep, and yet they give the medal to them anyway also in this audition where we saw loads of people in the movie beforehand there have only been two acts before a winner was decided the hollywood hounds and jingle dogs yeah what what is going on in this fucking cartoon the band decide that uh, well, they'd go into the whole, oh, it doesn't matter, friendship is the true treasure, whatever, speech, yeah. uh, when suddenly the rich man steals them. Yeah. Literally so, just fucking literally, steals them. They got forced into being owned by the rich dude who own, who is the um, father of the uh, girl hold who on, owns Jingle Dogs. They're sentient, so this, this is kidnapping. Yes. This is 100% kidnapping. Yeah, and then also after that, they appear with leashes on. Well, they, they, yeah, they, they, they appear with leashes on. <sighs> you get... huh. Still bipedal, still huh. sentient, POC huh. coded creatures. Oh, ooh, ha. Huh. Yeah, you may. The rich dude is white. Yeah. With an upper class accent. How much? Like how do you? I 
Ah. Yeah. It's disgusting is what it is. It's fucking vile. How do you do this? Oh my god, then he tries to buy them. Yes. Yeah. Okay, um... Huh. Like, okay... The connotations here? Look, 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 look. This cartoon has problems. It has writing problems. It's not a good cartoon in any regard. It is not well written. None of the plot makes any sense. None of the characters make any sense. Half the cast don't even need to be there. All the character designs look ugly as shit. This entire cartoon doesn't need to exist. But it does exist, and it exists with the most vile slavery connotations Possible. I mean, I, 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 I guess they're accidental, but I mean, when you're creating a piece of media based on a specifically um, people of color, diverse coded, uh, yeah, that's piece the of work. It, you have to look at the connotations. Yeah. The whole thing is connotations. If the characters weren't these POC coded critters, then then they'd be dogs. Yeah, they would just It'd be dogs sense. and. It would, well, no. it would just be Heathcliff again. Heathcliff it would again. just be Heathcliff again. It wouldn't again. make sense. But it, it wouldn't, wouldn't make sense. Be horrific. Yes, exactly. I, oh. But yes, Michael and his father suddenly turn up and point out that they are in fact already the owners of the dog. Uh, at which point, the rich guy just keeps offering more and more money for the dogs. Uh, they won't sell because they are members of the family. Yes. At uh, which point, uh, the dog. Uh, the, sorry, the the um, rich man and his daughter are then crushed to death by a year's supply of dog food. Yes, because the truck is there. It's like, hey, who won the year's supply of chow? Because, chow, chow yeah. whatever. Sudden cartoon antics. And then the truck backs into a fire hydrant, gently taps the fire hydrant, which somehow causes all of the chow to fling into the air and crush all of them perfectly. Yeah. Somehow. That's not how physics work, even in cartoons. <sighs> And so we see an epilogue in which Dude resolves that Christmas isn't about gifts, but about love. And then they play the Hollywood Hounds theme to the dog catcher, which caught Rosie and Cause earlier. Because it's his Inexplicably. day off. Inexplicably. Because it's his day off. That doesn't make any sense. That's not a reason to play to the fucking dude who's kidnapped you earlier. Yeah. It's... It... And there was no fucking Santa. <laughs> Actually, yeah, there's, like, nothing Christmas-related about this fucking thing. It is so barely loosely related to Christmas. advert. Yeah, it's just this kind of vague Christmassy thing, because... They decorated a palm tree at one point. Yeah, because it's set in a place which doesn't get snow, and that's kind of half the problem with it already. I mean, a Hollywood Hound summer vacation would have made far more sense and been a much better film. I mean, trying to create an origin story for this for this band of toys was a bad, bad move. It none of it makes sense. The world doesn't work. It's ugly as heck. There are some weird and horrible connotations going on because they didn't think about what they were writing. And it's just kind of boring. And the music's terrible. It's just this horrible misappropriation of what was a genuinely really sweet and good idea of a toy line. I hope they didn't pay too much for this ad. 
I really don't hope so either because it's so nasty and it doesn't sell you on the toys at all. I mean, the toys didn't last long. I cannot find evidence. Okay. It, It took going through the archives of Black Enterprise magazine looking for specific instances of this guy. Mm. I can't remember his name again. Uh, (laughs) uh, Looking for specific instances of the toys creator to find a single picture of one of these toys. Otherwise, there just aren't any on the internet. They are in scans in the Google uh, magazine archive. That is the only place I can find anything. This thing... I can only assume they flopped, and it doesn't surprise me because yeah, they are it's, ugly. If this and was the this, thing to promote them, the then yeah. Oh boy. It's, it's a shame because it's, it seems like it was a toy that was... It had genuine consideration to it. It was well-meaning. Yes. It just didn't work. No. It, no. No. <sighs> Don't make racially diverse dogs. Unless, it, unless you're starting at the point of breeds that have specific connotations already mm. because then you've already got the connotations you don't have to add the weird um the weird buzz haircut or make them a country singer yeah there's <sighs> good lord like as we were watching it we were like this half of this doesn't make any sense this isn't very good but it's only when we look back on it and it's... properly, like, keep a close eye on everything that's happening that we really kind of dig into what the shit is going on here. Like, what? How did any of this happen? <laughs> so, what did you reckon? Jesus Christ. Right, so disc one. Easily. Uh... Okay, do you want another ranking for disc one so far? Easy. What a mess, Sonic. And then about... From number three down to about, let's say, 2,489, we have Hollywood Hounds. Yeah. Yeah, I think I can agree with that. Mm. Good. Uh, As a side note, uh, we've also got... Would you like a review of the DVD menu? Okay, here you go. It's a static image with a incredibly badly clipped loop of the Sonic Christmas Blast music. Literally, it's it's 30 seconds of the music. The music lasts longer than 30 seconds. It cuts short and then just loops from the beginning again. You did a bad job, DVD supervisor Brian Ward. Bad <laughs> job. Jesus Christ. Don't put dog ears on people when you're trying to try and create ethnically diverse dogs. Let's stop talking about it before we dig a hole deeper. Okay. So, that was part one. I'm not sure one. we could dig a deeper <laughs> hole than the actual no. show itself. <laughs> so that was part one and disc one of Deke Animated Christmas Blast. We will return soon. How soon With part on- two of disc two, which has two shorts... But one of them is an hour long. Yeah, that's not a short. That's a feature length. Yeah. That's so literally a TV It'll take movie. us a while to get through that one. No, that would be funny enough. And then the second one features the wonderful voice of Milton Burl. Inexplicably. <laughs> for no good fucking reason. Ah, yes. Mr. Television himself. Yeah. Okay. This has been Deke Geeks. Thank you for coming back and listening after that long hiatus. We needed a break anyway. 
Um, if you enjoyed this show, then tell a friend. Subscribe to us on iTunes and whatever kind of podcatcher you use. We don't use Stitcher because fuck it. Uh, we're also available on Google Play Podcasts now if you use that for some fucking reason. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It took some wrangling. <laughs> um, VPNs were involved. If you enjoyed the show, well, of course, I've already said that, but give, give a recommendation to your friends. iTunes review, they help somehow. I don't know. Yeah, we have Just no way. Something. We have <laughs> no way of getting the show to other people uh, because we are flat broke. Yeah, we. we are bad at advertising and stuff like that. Uh, well, please um, just, yeah. please listen. <laughs> We're just sitting on your lands and knees. Just please, just begging you here. Tell your friends. If your friends ask for a new shiny podcast to check out, which I've not heard before, give them a recommendation of Deep Geek. Give, give, give the gift of Deep Geeks for Christmas. There's an entire back catalogue of a season of episodes for you to listen to, including some popular ones there too. Yeah. So, Yes. We'll be back in, I don't know, i say a few days for part yeah, two. hopefully. Which we cover disc two of Deke Animated Christmas Blast. Thank you very much. If you would like to follow us on Twitter, then we are at MostlyCobalts. That is at MostlyCobalts. Or we can go to MostlyCobalts.com for various in- articles which Marcus posted mainly. And also the entire back catalogue of podcasts that we have done. We're still sorting out what's going on with the second podcast, which was Mostly Cobalt Extend, but we kind of got a bit tired of that. It didn't really yeah, work out yeah. very well. So, at the moment, we're kind of cooking up a plan. We don't know what's going to happen. Neither do you. It's going to be a surprise for both of us, but we think you'll like it when it comes. So, look out for that when it's coming. We'll announce that on the website and also on Twitter, and also probably through this RSS feed as well, just so everyone's on board, as it were. But yes, do join us again for part two uh, in a few days. Have a very Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and all of that kind of business. Merry Christmas. Ta-da!